Wow, what a day it's been. Good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Take your Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter 16 tonight. We're going to go to Luke chapter 16 tonight. While you're turning, let me thank the young people tonight and the teachers and all involved. Uh, we had a great day in chapel today, uh, just being with the middle school and the high school. And the, I guess the elementary students were here for a little bit and they extended their love and appreciation to all of our uh, all of the missionaries, including myself, and we appreciate that so much. And then uh, later on in the day, church, you've just uh, showed your love and care for us, and we want to, I, I speak for all of our missionaries tonight, we want to thank you so much. It's been a blessing today to just uh, be around you and see your excitement for missions. You know, as, uh, as the tribute uh, took place tonight to all the nations and then all the states, I, I thought about the tremendous need worldwide that we have to get the gospel out. You know, uh, one of the great advantages of, of the opening tonight and, and the presentation and the great advantages of a meeting like this through the preaching and maybe through the testimonies and, and just speaking with the missionaries, you know, one of the great things is that God many times will increase our burden for a needy area. And isn't America a needy area tonight? A needy field. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the young people tonight that are in your Christian school here that have been, uh, you know, here tonight helping and singing and all of that. I love young people. I was reading a Christian periodical not too long ago, and they had a contest for six through nine-year-olds. And the six through nine-year-olds were supposed to finish this phrase, if I were in charge of the world, well, I was, I was anxious to read some of the responses. Here are some of the responses. Now, remind, i got to remind you, this is six through nine-year-olds, okay? So here's a young person. Um, they said, if I were in charge of the world, I'd cancel oatmeal Monday mornings and allergy shots. <laughs> Another one said, if I were in charge of the world, there'd be brighter light, nightlights, healthier hamsters, and basketball baskets 48 inches lower. <laughs> this must be a junior boy here. He said, if I were in charge of the world, a young man who sometimes forgot to brush and once in a while forgot to flush would still be allowed to be in charge of the world. <laughs> this one wrote, if I were in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae with whipped cream and nuts would be a vegetable. child of a missionary wrote this, if I were in charge of the world, I'd want to help people to see God as He really is. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight. I want to share with you a simple message tonight. You know, I don't know about you, but God has increased my burden today, tonight, for our nation, my neighbors, the world. But how do you maintain a burden? How do you maintain that burden? How do you continue to go on? And, you know, I, I really feel in my Christian life, one of the things that I struggle with on a regular basis is maintaining a, a consistent burden for the lost. If I'm not careful, I can, I can let my heart get calloused quickly. There are so many things that go on around us that sometimes that can happen. Uh, I remember when I was first saved, I, I was saved out of a radio background as Pastor was sharing, and, and uh, you know, I'd been saved maybe about a year, maybe a little more than a year, and my pastor 
asked me if I'd pray about taking a junior boys class. Now, you have to understand I had never uh, taught anyone, much less junior boys. They scared me. You know, teenagers you can herd, amen? They kind of go in a herd, but, but uh, I mean, junior boys, they're like chickens, you know, you, they go everywhere, you know? And I thought, you know, I don't think I can do that. Well, later on, my pastor said, look, it's not you, Bob, it's God working through you. And he was absolutely right. But one of the first young men I had an opportunity to lead to the Lord in that junior boys class was our neighbor boy. His name was Tommy Hodge. Tommy came from a very dysfunctional family. And we'd pick him up on Sunday mornings and we'd bring him to Sunday school and I'd teach Tommy along with the other boys. And we were praying for Tommy. And, you know, I had such a burden for Tommy. I had such a burden for his family. And I remember praying morning and, and evening that Tommy would be saved. And one Sunday morning after Sunday school, Tommy's helping me kind of put things away and we're getting ready to go to the auditorium for services. And, and uh, he's hanging around and he's hanging around. And I said, Tommy, is there something on your mind? And he said, uh, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, I, uh, and he kind of stalled out for a minute. And I said, Tommy, just say it. He said, you know, he said, I want to hear more about that being saved stuff. And that morning, I was able to lead nine-year-old Tommy Hodge to the Lord. You know what I pray 40 years now? I mean, I pray 40 years later. I, I catch myself praying this a lot after 40 years. I, I, I keep praying, Lord, give me a burden for people tonight or this morning like I had for Tommy 40 years ago. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16 tonight, and, and let's look at verse 19. I, I really do believe, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, whether it's reaching our neighbors, this nation, or the world through worldwide evangelization, we must know what it is to maintain a consistent burden. In Luke chapter 16, look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23 says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, tonight as we have gathered here in this place, Lord, for this 2022 Missions Conference at Central Baptist Church, Lord, thank you for what you've done in our hearts already tonight.
Thank you, dear Lord, for the burden we felt for the many, many countries uh, that were on display tonight by the flags. And thank you, dear Lord, for the burden we felt as we saw the many states on display tonight as the young people took the platform and then into the choir loft. Lord, we, we pray for our country tonight. We pray, dear God, that you would help us in this hour. But Lord, we realize tonight as Christians in 2022 America, that Lord, if we don't maintain a burden for our neighbors in this nation, we'll really not be able to carry out the command you've given us like we could carry out the command. And so tonight we pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us and that you'd take the simple message, use us, motivate us, mobilize us in this hour to do what we need to do, to do what you've commanded us to do, to, to give like we need to give, to pray like we should pray, to give and go like we need to go. Father, would you help us tonight now, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. How do you maintain a burden for your neighbors in this nation? I think, first of all, one must be convinced of some things, okay? We have to be convinced of some things, not, not just in our minds, but, but I'm talking about being convinced tonight down in our hearts. We have to be convinced about some things. Number one, tonight, a simple, simple message. Number one, if I'm going to maintain a burden for my neighbors, this nation, and the world, I've got to be totally convinced that mankind is born lost. He needs a Savior and his name tonight is not Buddha, it's not Allah, it's not Confucius. His name tonight is Jesus Christ. We have to be convinced of that. In Luke chapter 16, of course, we have the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And of course, in this passage, one man dies. And he goes to heaven, his name is Lazarus. Another man dies and goes to hell, he's known as the rich man. On the subject of heaven, because we've just read a very, very vivid picture of a real literal place, the place called hell. I want you to hold your finger in Luke chapter 16. Go with me, fast forward to Revelation 21, because I want to contrast tonight what we've just read in Luke chapter 16 with, a, with another literal eternal place, the place called heaven, Revelation 21 tonight. I want you to look at verse 1, if you will. Revelation 21 and verse 1. John, of course, getting uh, a vision of what of what was to come. He is on the Isle of Patmos and he, he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 21, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are headed as born-again children of God tonight. If you know that you're on your way to heaven, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, aren't you glad tonight we are headed for a wonderful place filled with God's glory and grace, the place called heaven where the Bible says there'll be no more tears. Then the Bible goes on to say, and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne 
said, Behold, I will make, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. John, of course, writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, getting a glimpse of heaven, and, and uh, he must have been thinking, This must be too good to be true. My, my, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. This has to be too good to be true. But in verse 5, the Lord says, No, John, you write it down. It's all true. And then I notice in verse 8, in Revelation 21, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Can I remind all of us tonight that reaching our neighbors and this nation and the world through worldwide evangelization is is not just a good idea, it's a matter of heaven and hell tonight. Several years ago, Time Magazine ran an article. The title of the magazine was, Hell Has Cooled Off. I was in a doctor's office. I saw the headline on the front of the magazine. I thought, I've got to read this article. I went back to the religious section. This so-called expert said this. He said, because preaching on the doctrine of hell has become such a rare thing in the pulpits across America, somehow, some way, he felt that hell had cooled off. May I remind all of us tonight, hell has not cooled off. May I remind it, us that, that, that its borders have expanded again and again and again. Even while we've been in this meeting and can I say mankind is, is still being born in sin and he needs a Savior and his name tonight is Jesus Christ. Mankind has dreamed up all kinds of ways to get to heaven, but Jesus Christ is the only way. The bad news tonight, I mean, before we can ever understand the good news, we have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is we're born sinners, folks, and sin has to be dealt with. It cannot be pushed under a rug. It cannot be called something else. It cannot be uh, tagged with a nif different meaning. Sin has to be dealt with. And mankind has dreamed up all these ways to get to heaven. Meanwhile, says Jesus says, I am, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is not a way, a truth. Friends, this evening, he is the way and the truth. Only one way to get to God. That's why we're meeting for a missions conference. Only one way to get to God. That's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way. So how do we develop or maintain this burden that we need to be operating under? You say, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, Brother Bob, operating under a burden. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like the times that God has chose to use me, and I wish that He would have used me more, but the times that He's chose to use me have been those times where I've been operating under a God-given burden. And I'm totally convinced tonight, we need to be totally convinced in our mind, totally convinced in our heart tonight that, that mankind is lost. The way we'll maintain a, a burden is to be totally convinced that mankind is born lost. He needs a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. We were out in uh, California, and I was working, uh, Jennifer and I were working with a church planter out uh, uh, near Tracy, California, and... and uh, we were knocking doors, and uh, this was a few years ago, and I had my trailer. We lived in a trailer for 12 years and, and pulled that trailer all over the country till it almost fell apart. But uh, we were out, in the, out there in that area, and we were knocking doors and trying to uh, 
help the church planter build up uh, the congregation, lead people to Christ. And uh, we had knocked on doors all morning and hadn't really found anyone home. So we went back to his house and his wife fixed a nice lunch and my wife and I and, and he and his wife, we enjoyed lunch together and, uh, and uh, we went out in the afternoon. And, and so uh, we were ready to start distributing door hangers and different things that he had there in the car. And he pulled over to the side of the road. I'll never forget this. I, I don't remember all of his prayer, but I remember him pulling over to the side. And, and uh, he said, Brother Bob, he said, let's pray. And I said, sure, you lead us. And so he prayed. And he said, Lord, he said, I'm convinced. I'm convinced this afternoon there's somebody in this part of town that needs you. And he said, I'd be so glad if you'd lead us to the person that needs you the most this afternoon. Now, when a pastor prays that kind of prayer, you're interested to see what God's going to do. I mean, honestly, it, and uh, he spent several minutes there in prayer, and so we got out of the car, and, and we just took turns talking, and, and he uh, knocked on the first door, and there wasn't anyone there, and I knocked on the second one. Third door, we knocked on a person's door, and he talked to him for a little while, and then the next door was mine, and I knocked on this door, and this lady came to the door. Her name was Lorena. She was in her 30s, and I I uh, began to talk to her by simply handing her the packet. I said, Lorena, my name is Bob Larson. I said, uh, this is Pastor, and he's uh, from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church here, and, and uh, he's trying to get the church started, and, and uh, we're just distributing in this material about the church to your neighbors, and we wanted to get this into your hands, but Lorena, in that packet is a very important piece of literature because it'll tell you how you can know for sure through the Bible that you're on your way to heaven. It will show you in the Bible that you're on your way to heaven. And she took the packet and she looked at the pastor and then she looked at me and then she looked at her son who was about 13, 14 years old. He was now standing in the doorway too. And she said, you know, uh, we've, uh, we've been talking a lot about this. And I said, what do you mean? Talking about going to church? And she said, no. She said, you said you could know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, we had a death in the family this week. And she said, we got home from the funeral yesterday. This is my son, David. And uh, we sat at the kitchen table. I made him a sandwich. And he said to me, he asked me, he said, Mom, is there really this place called heaven? And she said, I didn't have an answer for him. Do you have an answer for him? And I said, ma'am, I don't have many answers, but I have a book that has all the answers. Amen. It's called the Word of God. And if you'd allowed us to come in, we'd be glad to share with David how he, how he could know for sure he was on his way to heaven. And that afternoon, we had the great pleasure. I had, a pl I had the pleasure of showing David. And while I was showing David, he was showing, the pastor was showing David's mother how to be saved. And I was so glad I could point them to a good old-fashioned fundamental independent Baptist church there in that community. Now, here's the thing about it, ladies and gentlemen. Where did all that start? Where did all that get started? I think it got started over in the car when, when pastor pulled it to the curb and said, Lord, I'm convinced. I'm convinced there's somebody in this part of town that needs you this afternoon. Would you lead us to the person that needs you the most? Hey, the most. Hey, I've got to be convinced. If I'm going to maintain my burden for worldwide evangelization, if I'm going to maintain my burden for the lost, for my neighbors, for this nation, I've got to be convinced that mankind is still being born lost. They need a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. But I not only need to be convinced of that, number two, I, I need to be convinced that, that our God loves the entire world. 
It's amazing in this hour, as, as Alan was talking about New York City and Pastor mentioned all of the different cultures, all of the different people that are flocking to our metropolitan cities across America. I mean, America's, I mean, America has become a huge, huge opportunity spot, if we'll look at it that way. And we have to be convinced that our God loves the entire world. Look at 1 John tonight, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I love verse 2, don't you? And He, meaning Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I mean, uh, there's no room in Christianity for us four and no more. Amen? In verse 2 there, that word propitiation simply means that Jesus was the sacrifice that pleased God. We have to understand that God has a heart for the world tonight. He has a heart for New York City. He has a heart for Portland, Oregon. He has a heart for Los Angeles, California. He has a heart tonight for Kernersville, North Carolina. He has a heart tonight for America. He wants the world saved. And we have to, we have to be convinced in our minds and down in our hearts that our God is a global God. Hey, we don't serve a, a tribal God. We don't serve a, a cultural God, a language God. We don't serve a colored God. God loves everyone. Everybody, for God so loved the world. I was down in Guyana. I told the school uh, young people this morning, we were down in Guyana on a missions trip, and we were sharing the gospel down there in Guyana, and about 85 to 90 percent of the folks there are Hindu, and, and uh, we, we got into the country there, and, and we'd talk about Jesus, and we'd try and share Jesus Christ with them, and they'd say, oh, Jesus, he's the American God. We have our gods, and they do. They have hundreds of gods, but nevertheless, it's interesting tonight. We have to realize tonight that we must be convinced in our minds and hearts that God loves the entire world, and that world tonight includes the United States of America. Our population tonight, 322 million people. Growing at the rate of 2.9 million people per year. 80% now, 80%. Where is Brother Castillo tonight? Is he here tonight? 80%, Brother Castillo, of the young people, teenagers in America, are not in any type of church. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your burden. 70% of our population tonight, according to Gallup, has no meaningful church connection. Oh, they might claim a church home or they might claim a, claim a dom denomination, but they, they seldom attend the services of that church. And that percentage represents a mission field tonight of more than 230 million people who are unchurched, unsaved, or both. Last night I mentioned the fact that for decades we have done a good job of being zealous in our supporting missions worldwide and we support foreign missionaries but you know we need to realize tonight we are living on a vast vast mission field right here in the United States of America most of our USA missionaries when they go out to raise support they will probably have to be in twice as many churches as a foreign missionary you see the problem tonight ladies and gentlemen that many people still in America believe that missions is geography when they think of missions, they think of some place around the world 
But ladies and gentlemen, missions is not geography tonight. Missions is people. It's reaching people right where they're at. Hey, it's reaching people tonight in Ocala, Florida. Amen? It's missions. It's missions in New York City. It's missions in Los Angeles, California. And we've got to get to that place where we, again, as I mentioned last night, we've got to realize that, hey, the foundation needs to be shored up in America. And we've got to be convinced in our minds and our hearts, yes, our God loves the entire world, and that includes tonight the United States of America. But thirdly, let me hasten to a third thought. If I'm going to maintain a burden for my neighbors in this nation and the world, I've got to be totally convinced in my mind and my heart that God has saved me for a purpose. He has a job for me to do. He has something for me to take care of in His, in His kingdom, and He has something that He wants me to do, and He has saved me, and He wants to use me. I've got to be convinced of that. Look with me tonight at, at John chapter 1, verse 37. And I know tonight, maybe many of you, this is a simple message, but, you know, I, I, I struggle with things that in my Christian life that I thought maybe I wouldn't struggle with. I, I struggle, I'll be honest with you tonight, I have to struggle maintaining a consistent prayer life. It's just one of those things that I struggle with. After, after so many years of being saved, I have to continue to work at it and continue to work at it. And I have to continue to work at maintaining this burden that I need to operate under. Look at 1 John, or John chapter 1, verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. I love verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I mean, it, it's a beautiful picture tonight. It's, it's just a beautiful scriptural picture of men bringing men to Jesus Christ. In this hour, we need to know what it is to to really realize each and every day, you know what, I am saved. God has put me in a church. He has a work for me to do, and God wants to use me. I was preaching a missions conference several years ago in a little San Joaquin Valley town by the name of Armona. And uh, some of you guys may know, I know Brother Azarello probably knows this pastor out there at Armona, Brother King. Brother King at that time had several Filipino families in his church. And uh, so uh, I preached the missions conference on Saturday. They were going to go into Hanford, which was a neighboring town, and they were going to distribute literature and invite people out to church and try and win souls. So the missionaries all loaded up, and, and uh, we got in vans, and the people from the church, and there were several vans, and they drop you off at the end of the block. You know how it is. And, and you distribute literature down the block and try and you know, share the gospel as best you could, and then they'd pick you up at the other end of the block. So I'm with another missionary, and we're going down. He's a missionary to the Philippines, and, and we're going down the street, and, uh, you know, we're just hanging literature and inviting people out to church and trying to share the gospel. And we got to a yard sale. How many like yard sales? 
I'm always nosy. I want to know what people are selling, you know. And so I, I walk up to the tables, and it's about noon hour or so, and, and I'm looking around. And, and meanwhile, the missionary I'm with from the Philippines, he's striking up a conversation with this lady at the table. And I assume she's the owner of the home, and her husband's there, and he's in the garage rummaging around, kind of putting things away because it's about done. And, and so I'm hearing this missionary talking to this lady. And uh, you know how it is, you know, you, you're listening from afar and you're interested in what's going on. And, and he's sharing the gospel with her and, and he has his Bible out. And, and, and all of a sudden she says, now this is in Hanford, California. She says, oh, I, I, I know I need to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. She said, and I know that if I don't, I'll end up in a place called hell. And I walked over to her and I said, ma'am, would you repeat that? And she said, well, she said, this man told me I needed to trust Christ and the, there's a real literal place called hell. And she said, I'll know I'll, I know I'll end up there if I don't trust him. And I said, ma'am, you, know you know enough right now to be saved right here. She said, at my garage sale? I said, why not? You don't have to be in a church. I said, brother, why don't you show her from the Word of God how she can trust Christ and he took her aside and the husband's standing there watching the whole thing and, and he's leading her to the Lord and he got done and she, she looked around and her reaction wasn't much emotion it was just kind of this Whew. he showed her from the scriptures that she was born a sinner he showed her from the scripture that there's a price to pay for sin she showed him he, I mean he just took a few minutes from the, from the book of Romans and, and showed her that you know, she needs to believe and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for her. And she did that, and she was born again. And she looked over at him, and she said, glad I did that. I looked at her, I said, ma'am, I said, where did you hear that? I said, did you hear that on the radio, or did you hear that, you know, did you read that somewhere? She said, no, I, I heard it from my neighbor. Now, let me share something with you. When I was at Brother King's church... On Friday night, I shared a story about how Jennifer and I met and how we had a very short courtship and then a great marriage. And a lady came up to me at the end of the service. Her name was Mary. She was a Filipino lady. And she said, Brother Bob, she said, thank you for coming tonight. She said, uh, I enjoyed those stories. I said, which one, Mary? She said, the story about, about you and your wife and how you met. And I said, why did you enjoy that, Mary? And her little lip began to quiver, and she said, well, she said, she said I, uh, I lost my husband to cancer about three months ago. And she said, we've been married for over 30 years. She said, uh, she said, you don't get over this in a month or two, do you? I said, no, ma'am. I said, grieving is a process. I said, how long has he been gone? Three months. I said, oh. I said, no, grieving is a process. But I said, Mary, let me ask you a question. Did you find the grace of God sufficient for today? She said, uh-huh. I said, guess what? It'll be sufficient tomorrow. Amen. And the day after that, and the day after that, and pretty soon the clouds will clear. And she said, oh, I know, I know. And so I, I prayed with Mary, and, and she went on her way out the door, and another couple came to talk to us at the table. And, and Mary was just about outside, and she, she hollered from the outside door. She said, she said, Brother Bob. And I said, yeah, Mary. She said, pray for me that God will use me through all of this. 
I wanted to give her a round of applause. I mean, here's a lady grieving over the loss of her husband, and she's even concerned that God would use her during that time. Let's fast forward to the garage sale. I'm sitting here watching this lady get saved, and I asked her, I, I said, lady, I said, ma'am, I said, where did you hear all this? I said, on the radio? Did you read it somewhere? She said, no, I heard that from my neighbor across the street. I said, tell me about your neighbor. Oh, her name is Mary. She's a little Filipino lady. She lost her husband to cancer about three months ago. I said, I know Mary. I'm preaching at her church. I said, let's go over and tell Mary what happened. She said, do you think it'd be all right? I said, I think it'll be okay. We walked across the street, and we did something kind of mean. The missionary from the Philippines, he, uh, he was with me, and we did something kind of mean, and this little lady was pretty short. We stood in front of her, so I knocked on Mary's door, and, and the, the security door opened, and the little girl was playing in the hallway there, and she had opened the door, and I said, honey, is your grandma home? And she said, yeah, Grandma. And Mary came out of the kitchen. She looked down the hallway. She said, Brother Bob, how did you know where I live? I said, Mary, come here, come here. She came down to the door. I said, Mary, listen. I said, do you know this lady? And we stepped aside. Yeah, yeah, she's my neighbor. I've been talking to her. I said, well, uh, she wants to tell you something. And that dear lady looked at Mary, and she said, Mary, I just got saved over at my garage sale. And Mary, and there's a, there's a saying, of course, in Tennessee. I'll use it tonight. She came out of that door like a duck on a June bug. She hugged that lady's neck. She said, you got to come to church with me tomorrow. Next, next morning, Sunday morning, I'm, I'm, I'm walking across the parking lot there of the church, and I look up, here comes Mary driving in, got her neighbor right by her. That morning I preached and I turned the invitation over to Pastor King and he, he's giving the invitation down the aisle comes Mary and her neighbor. So now the music's playing and Pastor King is talking to the neighbor and talking to Mary and, and uh, people are praying and all of a sudden Pastor says, stop the music, stop the music. Ma'am, would you tell these people what you just told me? And she's kind of frightened now. She looks around. She said, well, she said, I just told the pastor that yesterday I got saved at my garage sale. So do you want to say anything else? Yeah, Mary says I need to be baptized, and Mary's standing there. No, the Bible says you need to be baptized. The Bible. <laughs> By that time, I'm off the platform. I, I'm down in the pew. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, thank God for a lady named Mary. Amen. Who was convinced. You know, she could have said, look, don't, don't bother me. Don't bother me. I am going through deep water right now. I have got problems. I've got, I've got sorrow. I've got things in my life. Don't bother me. No, no. She, her prayer was, oh, God, will you use me through this? Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you something tonight. What will help us maintain that burden that we must have to reach our neighbors in this nation and the world, what will help us again and again is to live our lives on a daily basis 
being convinced everywhere we go in our minds and down in our hearts that mankind is still being born lost. He needs a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. I need to be convinced in my mind and my heart that my God is a global God. He loves the entire world, and I must be convinced tonight that God wants to use me. i got to be convinced of that. Here's something I'll throw in tonight for free. Last thing. I must be conscious of who and what I follow. Matthew 4:19, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 16:24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I can't, you can't, we can't afford to get distracted. In this hour, we can't afford to get fascinated with something that would distract us from the main goal. And that main goal is to follow our Lord and Savior and keep our eyes upon Him. Years ago, I I grew up on the farm, the dairy farm, and my uncle was very emphatic about when we plowed a new field that those furrows were straight. Don't even bother if they're not going to be straight. And so I said, How do you plow a straight furrow? I mean, I. Man, I'd plow the field, and it would look like if a snake followed my furrow, it would look like he'd break his back, amen? And, and I said, how do, you, how do you keep a straight furrow? He said, Bob, you just fix your eyes on something out there in the distance. Whether it be a tree or a fence post or a big rock, you just keep your eyes, and you just stay on course. And he said, you'll have a straight furrow every time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, can I urge you tonight... Let's stay on course. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's live our lives being convinced tonight that mankind is still being born lost. He needs to be reached, and His Savior is Jesus Christ. Let's let's live our lives understanding our God loves the entire world, that He wants to use us. And please, please, let's be conscious of who, of who and what we follow. Our heads are bowed tonight.